All right, welcome back to the Bob Squad Pod. This is episode 33, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Manny, what's going on, dude? Thanks for joining us. What's up, my friend? How you been? How's it going? Uh, by the way, what was that Gonzaga score last night? Uh, <laughs> not good. I think it was like 86 to 70 or something like that. I think that's the main reason why Aaron didn't join us this week. Facts. <laughs> yeah, um, for those that don't know, because I don't know if Aaron's ever brought it up on the podcast, Aaron is a alma mater of Gonzaga, and he takes his college basketball very seriously. Mm-hmm. So that loss was pretty devastating for him. Uh, me, personally, I've never really cared about basketball or college basketball, either one. So <laughs> I didn't watch a second of the tournament. I don't care, but it is fun to make fun of him for it, though. <laughs> I know there was a reason why I picked Florida over Gonzaga for my grad school. Yep. There you go. There you go. So, um, oh wait, we had some, we have some interesting topics to talk about, don't we? <laughs> we do, we do, and I think the the most important one that we're going to talk about first is the relationship between Sean McVay and Jared Goff, because we had touched on this basically all season, and Correct. it was one of the first things that we brought up when the season started was how it seemed like there was a disconnect between Goff and McVay and. I said many, many times that the play calling indicated there was a huge lack of trust from McVay to Goff. And Lindsay Theory of ESPN actually did a very extensive report on this. And it came out about a a week or two weeks ago now. And I didn't see too many people talking about it. Maybe that's because they're trying to keep it under wraps and they don't want the perception of Sean McVay to skew in a negative way. Um but this is the first time we've really seen or heard of any kind of issue with Sean McVay. Every, every story that we've heard of and every quote has been how great of a coach he is and he's a genius and all this other stuff. But this report is kind of making it seem like there could be some potential flaws here with his coaching ability and how he connects to some players. Um, it could be a one-off, but based on the report, their relationship began to deteriorate back in 2019. This didn't even happen in 2020. Apparently after they failed to make the playoffs and Goff had a very bad year, which we could all agree was a horrible year. McVay kind of put him in his sights, put him in his targets and uh, never really let up on him and was extremely hard on him. And uh, Lindsay spoke to more than two dozen sources for this, which included Rams players, coaches and executives. So like I said, this is a very thorough report. This wasn't something where she just talked to one anonymous source and kind of put everything on blast. But apparently he would um, routinely yell at Goff and there was no point where McVeigh would come back and apologize, which is odd. Normally, if a coach and a player, and I'm sure, Manny, you've seen this in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in all sports, if a coach and a player get into a disagreement or there's yelling between them, you come back later on and say, Hey, my bad, you know, heat of the moment. I love you. We're, we're still brothers, that kind of thing. But apparently that wasn't the case here. No. Um, listen, I've, I've said this to you and I've said it to Aaron and you know, we're on episode 33 now. Right. And I think I've said it multiple times on other, on other, um, you know, episodes that we've had. Sean McVay, didn't owe Jared Goff anything, in my eyes. Sean McVay didn't draft Jared Goff. He especially did not draft Jared Goff at number one. This was all from the previous regime. Now, 
what ends up happening. We know what happened with Coach Fisher and whatnot. He was very, you know, he was very stubborn. He didn't want to change his ways. It is what it is. The Rams weren't winning. It was, my God, like, you know, we're, we are moving from St. Louis to L.A. We drafted a number one quarterback, and all of a sudden, the first year back in L.A. is just absolute garbage, right? Do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. So in comes a young coach, Sean McVay, which all we know is that he's an offensive guru. You've seen him on Hard Knocks, uh, part of John Gruden's staff. You've seen him in Washington. And all the reports are he's a young, up-and-coming coach who loves to infuse energy into his players, and he loves to come up with different offensive schemes. Okay, So obviously, drafting a number one quarterback and all his other stuff, he kind of fits in into what you know an NFL organization like the Rams are trying to do. You know, He kind of fits that mold. The part where this doesn't surprise me, right? I'm 33. An old school head coach, let's say a la Jeff Fisher, or let's say maybe um, what was the Rams defensive coordinator? Um, Wade Phillips, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think Wade Phillips or Jeff Fisher would do these type of actions the way that Sean McVay had? And by the way, I trust Lindsay's reporting. I think she's really good and great at what she does. She now covers both teams, if I'm not, if I'm correct. So that's a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? And she works for ESPN, correct? So you, so this is not just a report, you know, from a source, from a source, from a source. This is directly, and like you mentioned, she spoke to former players, coaches, and executives about this. This is just showing me that maybe Sean Mc, Coach McVay has a little bit of growing up to do. I don't yeah, know how I, you take it, but yeah, that's no, what I, I see. And, 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 and it's unfortunate because Jared Goff, to me, you know, and we said it, um, Nick. We said it after the Bucks game. We said it before early in the season where we can tell on a third and short, he's running a screen pass. He's running the football to try to get first downs on third downs. Yeah. There Why? were plays where they were running like draw plays on like third and 12 and correct. third and eight. And it's like, and guess wait, what? what? You were incorrect. And listen, not to say that any other reporter had it first, man. But Mom Squad Pod, Nick had it first. When he first mentioned and said there has to be some type of disagreement between coach and player in that locker room, that nothing has come out yet. But to me, it's vague. It's there. We've, we, we saw it week after week. And after this reporting, like I told you, man, it's, it, it tells me that Coach McVay has some growing up to do. And it's unfortunate because golf is gone now, right? So he can't do this with Stafford. He absolutely cannot do this with Stafford. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, I agree. I, I There's got to be a maturity issue here. Um, mm-hmm. And I think everyone knows based on what we've seen, Sean is a perfectionist. And Goff was far from perfect as a quarterback. And it just grew up to a point where he said, no more. I can't do it. Give me somebody else. And they make the trade. Um, and apparently, according to Lindsay's report, this went from the sideline, team meetings, and the practice field. So their relationship was bad everywhere. It wasn't just on game days, and it wasn't on the sideline. It was everywhere. It was practices. It was during the week. And this quote is pretty damning, at least to me. Sean lost touch with how much he was breaking Jared down, but there's got to be the build back up. McVeigh was either unaware or disinterested in protecting Jared's confidence. And I think that speaks exactly to what you're saying. That, yeah, that, that has, is that is hard that, for me to accept, Nick. That is hard for me to say it's okay. I am it's sorry. It's got to be a maturity thing. <laughs> yeah. It has to be. 
I mean, listen, we've all played sports, right? I mean, we've played from the, you know, from the little leagues. And listen, we're not professionals. But there's certain players that you know that once you harp on them for quite some time, if they're not performing, what you're doing is not working. Your job as a coach is to try to get the best out of your players, right? And if what you're doing is not helping them perform better on the field, it's your job to fix that. It, you know, you're the adult here per se, right? Yes, golf's making millions of dollars. But at the end of the day, you're the head coach. You're the one in charge, right? So, again, that that quote that you just read is 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 mind-boggling. It's hurt, to me. It's hurtful, and it just it's it's not what you expect out of a head coach and from this from an organization of this magnitude in any sport. You know, in any sport that you know, it's 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 it's, it's, un, it's unprofessional. Yeah, there's some other pretty damning quotes in here, too. There's another one. Uh, this was another direct quote. It gradually became more hostile with McVeigh cussing out Goff, and Goff would feel crushed. That That's pretty tough to read. Um, and then also there's another uh, part of the story where McVeigh told people around him that he felt as though he had to call every play perfectly for Goff, and which that, that led to Goff feeling more and more micromanaged. And Sean wasn't making the offense any easier. He kept making the offense actually more complex because he's trying to outscheme the defenses. So he never really made it any easier on Jared either. So he wasn't really meeting him halfway there. Again, I'm not just saying uh, sticking up for Jared Goff here. We would all agree he had a bad 2019. And in 2020, he was very up and down. He was far from mm -hmm. perfect. But there's got to be an in-between here. And it clearly, uh, Sean wasn't willing to meet him um, in between the, the other stuff in here that is, I would say alarming, but I think we all knew when this was going on, that this was the case. A lot of what was going on towards the end of the season with John Wolford, apparently Sean McVay was all about it. Apparently, um, once he got the chance to call a game with Wolford under center in week 17, not only was Sean excited, but apparently the other players were excited as well. And, the uh, a team source actually told Lindsay that those were the quote best weeks of practices that the team had and McVeigh had confidence in Wolford so much so that this the sources that Lindsay talked to confirmed what we all thought that if Wolford was healthy he would have started that game against the Packers in the playoffs which is crazy to think about that he would have started his first NFL game in week 17 and then like two weeks later, he's starting in Lambeau against the Packers in the divisional round. But McVeigh was so confident in him and so over Jared Goff that all of the sources Lindsay talked to said, yeah, that's that's what was going to happen. They were dead set. Um, the actual quotes that are in here say, however, if it were not for Wolford's injury, several sources told said McVeigh would have started him against the Packers. When asked if Wolford would have started if he were available, McVeigh avoided answering the question. McVeigh was totally all in 100% on starting Walford over Goff, the league source said. And quote, when we found out John couldn't go, we felt defeated. That That's pretty tough to read, too, go, going into the, the game that the team already felt defeated before they even took the field, right? I just can't believe these quotes, man. <laughs> I just. I know. This, I know. This, Nick, Nick, this, this feels like you're in that one classroom in school. And you were the popular person. And then all of a sudden, the teacher, they notice that, right? And then, but obviously, you wouldn't do what the teacher does. So then all of a sudden, the teacher grabs the other kids and puts them on, on his side. And now we're all looking at you like, well, hey, 
you're the issue. And I mean, listen, if I could somehow reach to one of these players just to ask them, like, why was it that you guys were against um, your own, you know, your, your starting quarterback? Like, what was the issue there? But then it's like I said, half of these guys were brought in by Sean McVay. These are Sean McVay's guys. Jared Goff, unfortunately, is not. And again, it, when you hear quotes like this, it's it just, it's a divisional playoff game, right? Yeah. Like it's not, it's pre, it's not preseason. For you to, for the team to be fine with Wofford starting over golf, but then to feel defeated once they found out that Wofford couldn't start. Yeah. A guy who um, was a practice squad player who got cut um, by the Jets early in his career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I and don't know what to add. The, the thing that blows my mind the most about this story is, like I said, this came out about a week or so ago. How many Rams fans or how many football fans even heard about this? Nobody talked about it. It came out and literally got swept under the rug. Nobody talked about it. And I think it's because... Sean McVay oh, the is great story? With the, yeah, the, this whole story about the Goff and, and McVay, I, I'm pretty sure this whole story got swept under the rug by most people because oh, the Watson the, story going on. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think the, the media too is also very much in love with Sean and the organization is, is fully behind Sean and they were going to back him the whole way. And if you contrast this story with, how things were handled between the Eagles and Doug Peterson, it's completely, completely different. And that goes to show you what happens when you have an ownership and a front office that completely does not agree with the head coach at all. This stuff leaks out and it becomes a huge deal and more and more people talk about it. How many reports did we get for weeks of tension between uh, Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. And then it turned into Doug Peterson against the locker room. Then it turned into Doug Peterson against the general manager. And then Doug Peterson against and then it became, the owner. You know, no, and, and then it became the Wentz versus ownership and Wentz versus the GM. So yeah, <laughs> after and, no more leaks came out. Yeah, And this story wasn't handled like that at all. This story came out and literally nobody talked about it, which is crazy. Um, I, I just find that fascinating that this story came out and it's pretty damning to me and no one talked about it. So it'll be interesting to see going forward if this becomes an issue with any other players, because yeah. who knows if it happens well, once, Nick, it's Nick, it doesn't happen Nick, again. But Nick, it can't become an issue. No, it can't. It just can't. It, this yeah, team can. has to make the playoffs. This team has to compete for a Super Bowl championship. Yeah, right? but like, can you, this, you this, imagine this, if something like this happened between Sean and Jalen Ramsey or Sean oh. and Aaron Donald? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, what do you get? Are you LA just going to trade him? Like, you can't. Oh, no. You're just going to cut that. him? Don't do that. <laughs> oh, my so, God. Rams Nation will have a heart attack. Don't do that. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this happens because I think, like you said, I think there's a maturity issue here. And, um yeah. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in the in the coming years? But it happened once, so it could happen again. Uh, I I hope it doesn't. I don't think it will. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But man, that whole situation between Goff and McVeigh just soured so fast and went south so fast. It's crazy. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to some other Rams news. Uh, they did sign uh, Deshaun Jackson, and 
Some Rams fans were pretty high on the move. I personally am not too high on it. I don't really see where the impact is going to be made, except for I do think he can come in, and I think he can make a big difference on special teams in our return game because everyone saw last year our punt returns and our kick return game was terrible, absolutely terrible. It was literally they gave us nothing all year. So if he can come in and give us any kind of spark at all on that end of the field, I think giving him the four and a half million dollar base value of salary, I'm fine with it. If you can give us something in the return game, give us maybe a touchdown or a big return. I'm cool with that. I I don't know. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you think he can make an, uh, an impact on offense too. Meh. Yeah. Nah. I mean, Listen, I've I've seen Deshaun Jackson's whole career, um, especially when he was with the Eagles, at least half of it. Um, he's going to do two things for the Rams. A quick slant game and screens. Things that we don't like. He's not going to stretch the field. The one play he's going to have on special teams, Nick, he's going to pull his hamstring again. So, yeah, to me personally, those... I just – Yeah, I just don't see like, $4.5 million? With he's incentives? one of those guys that literally is one play away from tearing his hamstring. He he's yeah. always been one of those guys. Like if anything, just you know have him on the bench until you make the playoffs. Then you use him because at least if he makes the play, he'll be worth it. But I don't know why. Yeah. Like again, I still think AJ Green was out there, and this is who you signed besides AJ Green. That's just me. I I hope he makes an impact in the return game. I think that's where we need it the most. Mm-hmm, I hope correct. they don't try to get him too involved in the offense because I feel like that's not doing anyone any favors. No, um, but again, you're not getting Stafford, another guy that can stretch the field, unless you use this draft as a stepping stone for that, right? I mean, yeah. we still don't have that elite guy that can take the top off. You have a bunch of guys that can run slants, that could run outs, that could run curls, they could do screens, obviously, because that's all we saw last year on third down. But Deshaun Jackson, maybe three, four years ago, uh, when he was in the Bucks uniform, maybe as a rookie with the Eagles, maybe you'd feel, you know, I'd feel more confident about this signing. I just don't see how, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the Deshaun Jackson literally came back after a five, six week stretch of not playing after an injury and got hurt on the first possession that the Eagles had when he came back and he never played again. So yeah. you can't blame me for me feeling, well, this man literally can, can score a touchdown and then be like, Hey, uh, yeah, my, my uh, hammy's feeling tight. And, and, you know, to me, it feels like he wanted to, he wanted to go back home. He's from Cal. He went to Cal Berkeley and it fits him. And that's fine. You know, maybe the Rams hit in the, a, a, a diamond free agent, wide receiver who's aging, but can still make plays for you. But the moment he gets hurt, I mean, that that's basically it. You Don't expect them to come back at 100%. That's all I can prove to you and, and basically tell you. The moment Deshaun yeah. Jackson gets injured, he ain't coming back at full strength. Yeah, I think, uh, I think they, the Rams need to protect him against himself and basically just use him as a returner and maybe as a decoy on some offensive plays because – like you said, if he gets hurt one time, he's probably going to be out the rest of the season, if not most of the season. So I think they need to protect him from himself and just use him in that um, special teams role. I think he could make an impact there. Um, I, I do think in the draft coming up, the we're going to see the Rams use several picks on wide receivers. And I'm sure most of the guys they select 
are going to be four, three speedster type guys, because like you said, the team hasn't addressed that. And we've been saying that's been an issue ever since they let cooks go. We've been talking about that being an issue and they haven't fixed it since. So we'll see where that goes. Um, the other NFC West news we'll hit on really quick is there was a pretty big trade that happened between the 49ers, the dolphins and the Eagles. So the dolphins sent their number three pick that they had to the 49ers who were sitting at 12. So now the Niners are sitting at three, um, which is kind of crazy because now everyone's convinced that they're for sure taking a quarterback. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do that or not. I have no idea, but it's kind of crazy that they're having so many quarterback issues after try, they tried so hard to get Jimmy G. They finally got him. And, and now the past couple of seasons, it really hasn't worked out well for them. Um, but the dolphins essentially just went from uh, three to, I think six or something like that. Um, and they also have number 18. So they still have two first round correct. picks and they're still, they're still pretty high. So um, the dolphins are sitting pretty well. Um, do you think the Niners take a quarterback here? Well, listen, I'm going to agree with, um, I believe it was Adam Schefter who tweeted out that they're apparently are thinking about drafting Mac Jones, which, Hey, as a, as a, as a Rams podcast person, Hell yeah, draft Mac Jones. <laughs> I mean, all I the only thing I the only thing I had to see was Bill Belichick's facial reaction when you know when Jones he he I think he overthrew a guy and then the ball hits the ground and then the camera tw- turns right into Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick has his hand over his chin he's just like he's he's shaking it left and right like oh no so <laughs> that's all I needed to see but um hey maybe the Niners don't actually stay at three. Maybe they have that as leverage for somebody else. Maybe they want to get extra picks. Um, but I tell you one thing, Jimmy G is not their guy. I, if they think that, okay, that's fine. But I don't think um, they're going to end up with Jimmy G as quarterback this season. That's another crazy situation where that, that whole situation is kind of soured really quick because just Very a couple quick. seasons ago – Jimmy G took him to the Super Bowl, and now and he was the team one up. possession away, right? They were one possession yeah. away. It's quickly how things change. And now <laughs> apparently the team is like ready to move on. And same thing when the Eagles won their Super Bowl, Nick Foles took him to the you know Super Bowl, got them the win, and then he left. It's like it's crazy how these these quarterbacks win Super Bowls, and then like you have one bad year, they're gone. They they just move on. It's kind of weird. Um, well, NFL not for long. Yeah. Yeah, the NFL is kind of turning into the NBA where players just go new teams every like year, every two years, and everyone's just kind of doing like the super team approach. It's it seems a great, like. it, it, great point, man. It, it, it's unbelievable the manpower that players have in every yeah. sport. It's yeah, like they can literally sit out. No, 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 me too. But back in the day, like the fines would just be immense, right? And the bonuses won't even be there for these guys. Nowadays, it's like, hey, I'm going to sit out. And if I have to pay a fine, that's fine. I mean, you know, the, the the fine I pay, it adds up to a week check, and I'm getting 18 checks. So, hey, I'm perfectly fine. And it's like, yeah. damn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Tell me how you really feel. Yeah. So, apparently, we're going to get three quarterbacks in the first three picks because all indications are Jacksonville's taking Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Uh, mm-hmm. The Jets just traded Sam Darnold. So, they're taking, apparently, um, um, Oh gosh, uh, Zach Wilson. I was blanking Zach on his Wilson. name. Uh, Zach BYU Wilson kid. from BYU, mm-hmm. and then apparently the 49ers are going to take Mac Jones at three. So, and I'm then just apparently the, they don't take uh, Justin Fields. I really like Justin Fields. 
Yeah, there's like a huge debate right now with the Justin Fields stuff. Um, I'm not enough of a college football person to even engage in those conversations. I don't know any better. I will say, based on what I've seen, I have been watching a lot of um, the Zach Wilson stuff. And the stuff that I have seen from him, he looks electric. He looks like he's going to be another Patrick Mahomes type quarterback. So that's crazy. Uh, Who knows if that's going to work out. Anyone that goes to the Jets just kind of fails miserably. So we'll see. Um, but what things for sure, though, Nick, the, the Miami Dolphins for sure, if they did, if they assured anything to us was that um, that Tua is their guy. Um, yeah, I don't with, see, that, with that move, they're basically correct, telling correct. everyone and um, him that he's I don't guy. see I don't see them being in the conversation of Watson talk, even even if it was still out there. Um, so for sure, Tua is going to be their guy um, going forward without a question. Um, the. Uh... Last couple things we'll talk about real quick. The Just a betting note here that I thought was pretty interesting. The Rams are now the betting favorite to win the NFC West. So everyone in Vegas is putting the heavy odds on the Rams. So if you want to try and put some money on the Rams to win the division, you're looking at plus 175 right now. Uh, this is per bet MGM, by the way. The 49ers are plus 200. The Seahawks are plus 280. And they have zero faith in the Cardinals. The Cardinals are plus 550. So if you think something really crazy is going to happen in the division, you could put the some Cardinals? money on the Cardinals. Cardinals yeah, are put, 550. Wow. Yeah, that's – yeah, you can put some money so on the Cardinals. So much for signing all these guys and stuff, right? <laughs> They're like the last yeah. team that Vegas yeah, thinks Ve- is going to win the division. Yeah, Vegas has Bro, no faith in the feel, Cardinals. How do you feel if you're Russell Wilson, though, right? I mean, no offense. To me, Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in this whole division. And Vegas has you being third. That is mind-boggling to me. It's just, you know, everyone thinks the NFL is, it is a quarterback league, but there's more to it than that. And the the Seahawks just aren't the same team. They don't have a running game. They don't have the same defense. They're just a different team. So, is what it is. I don't even, I think this might be uh, Russell's last year in Seattle. So, we'll see. I agree. I totally agree uh, with you. I think I I think the whole charades of trying to you know trade them out per se was just an uh, a was just a beginning indication right of the process. Um, you know I you know when those big name trades are out there for like one time you're like no nah, no way that can't happen right. But then the next off season it starts to really gain traction. I think that's one of those things where he's gonna give it one more time. They're both gonna give it um one more go, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, hasta la vista. Yeah. Last thing we'll talk about real quick is um, our very own Jordan Rodrigue, uh, former guest of this very podcast, reported that Matthew Stafford had a minor procedure on his thumb in February. It was a partially torn UCL. Uh, it's kind of weird that that happened and was kept under wraps for as long as it was. But uh, that happened back in February. And all indications are he's going to be fine. He's not going to miss any off season work or anything. And what's kind of crazy and and speaks to him as a player is he still managed to throw for over 4,000 yards and 26 touchdowns. So the the guy is an absolute workhorse. He's, you know, Matt's iron man. (laughs) Yeah, he, he really is. So, um, minor, minor surgery. It doesn't look like it's going to be a thing. I think the, we don't know exactly how our offensive line is going to look this season, but I'm sure this is probably going to be the best offensive line he's ever been behind, which I'm sure he's very happy about. Um, Other than that, 
those were the main things we wanted to kind of hit on for this episode. A, a lot to digest, I think, especially with the Goff and McVay stuff. Was there anything just else going on with the Rams or in the NFL that you wanted to hit on before we got out of here, Manny? No, I think uh, we, you know, we hit on most things that are, that are most important to Rams fans. I mean, listen, we're ready in April. The draft is almost here. Um, it's going to listen. This whole report, though, of McVay, I, I'm with you. I would have thought it would have gained more traction, especially it being a big market like L.A. Um, but you know what? Listen, that's in the past. Me and you just talked about it. It's 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 time for this team to just, you know, get together, fix out their differences if there's any, go out there, win games, and compete for a championship. Because yeah. at the end of the day, this is what the NFL is about. Yes, there's going to be drama. Yes, players and coaches might not be happy with one another. Um, I can tell you this one thing. Sean McVay better uh, not have this conversation or try to, you know, make make any other player feel like this the way he did with Sean McVay. I mean, with uh, golf, because like you said it, man, I doubt he's having this conversation with with uh, with Aaron Donald, Jenna Ramsey, you know, Leonard Floyd. I doubt he's having those conversations with those guys. So, you know, just go out there, have a great offseason overall, get these – young guys in from the draft man and create some depth on key positions right um wide receiver depth give me some linebackers you know i will take another cornerback you can never have enough corners especially in this league when you're always throwing the football so those are you know just small things that i want the draft is rapidly approaching which is always fun not necessarily that much fun for rams fans because we haven't had a first round pick in like 18 years but it's still fun because it's the draft but yeah i think you never know made... maybe we'll we will trade another draft pick 10 years from now just to be in this first round again maybe who knows um <laughs> I, I think we would all agree though the main focus of this draft needs to be linebackers um offensive line and wide receiver i think that would at least from my point of view that would be the the biggest need so we'll see though um draft season is always fun Thanks as always for listening, guys. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you guys shortly.